That query is not recognized. Some say Webb is still out there, drifting. The coordinates the Borg sent were to Earth. Hello and welcome to the Dura Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but boy, are we sisters. <laughs> and I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today, can you tell I was trying to be Archer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> today, we are here to talk about the spookiest episodes in Enterprise. Here in Enterprise, talking about the scariest episodes that we saw throughout the series. Ashlyn. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Me too. Well, before we get started, though, I how many times are we going to say that in this episode? <laughs> At least <laughs> before three more. we get excited, I feel like we should do a graph, like per see, per <laughs> yeah. episode, how many times we say that before we actually start <laughs> the subject. Um, <laughs> but first of all, I want to thank Curlon Noskos, Wolf Wit, Rick Mason, John T. Bold, Gail Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. Thank you so much for being our patrons, and we are so happy to have you. Rihanna, I feel like we really need a companion to go yeah. through this episode. What do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the fastest we've ever gotten to the action figures, so... You know, I, was, I was a little, like, stunned. I was like, here we are. We I did it. I just feel like we need him closer to the chat. Okay. <laughs> okay, I've got my hand around one. Are you ready to I'm announce? I'm ready, yes. Rihanna, who did you get? Wow, I once again pulled out Beverly Crusher <laughs> from the big goodbye wearing her beret. Why? Like, what are the odds of getting <laughs> I have so many Star Trek action figures, people, and I get more, you know, quite often. Uh, I have with me today Admiral Kirk from <gasps> Star Trek The Motion Picture. He's he newly amazing. He's newly promoted, he's newly grumpy about his position, and he's ready to slap Decker in the face. <laughs> Wow, what a crew we've got along with us today. Well, now we have them. What do we do, Rihanna? What do we do with them? We should talk about our watch list. Okay, it's at this point I have to bring up a Reddit thread that I have been following to help make these episodes. I really have to thank the user ubigj 76 four years ago for making this Halloween spooky episode list. Literally, they go by uh, episode by episode and give the ones that are spooky with the description and the number. It's awesome. And I've been using it as a reference for some of these watch lists. For Enterprise, I was really unsure about how to tackle mm -hmm. because Rihanna, it's probably the like the weakest one. Like we have the weakest knowledge about Enterprise. Yeah. And uh, so I really needed some outside help. And just thank you to this Reddit user. I will post the link on the Patreon, so people can see it. Yes. So thank you. I think this is an interesting one because I love the ones you chose, Ashlyn. These really do, they're going to feed into a lot of really great discussion about the era that Enterprise is coming from, both Like scary media. movies? Oh, media, yeah. yeah. And like television, and also an era of Starfleet and space travel. That's so different. So uh, we, of course, as usual split this up into three different categories. Ashlyn, would you like to tell our listeners what we are watching today? Or I, what we are discussing today? It would be my honor. 
we are going to start with the alien on board section, and we're going to be talking about Voxola, regeneration, and impulse. And then we're going on to our psychoanalytical section with observer effect, doctor's orders, and strange new world. No S on that one. <laughs> yeah. And then my favorite category, we will be ending with, I'm coming back for you, baby. I'm coming back for you. <laughs> <laughs> with fight or flight, Daedalus, and dead stop. Yay, I'm so excited. Um, wow, this is a really great watch list. And I don't think we asked our listeners this week. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Enterprise. Sorry, oh, listeners. Oh, wow. Com- the ball. Complete. <laughs> wow, and I'm realizing that in this moment. Like, I have not thought once. Okay, so Rihanna, let's go back to the old school ways then. What episode of Enterprise sticks out to you from your first watch or now as being one of the scariest ones? You know, it's, uh, gosh, this is, it's not, it's not a great one and it's not one that's on the list. Um, it's the one with Paul and involving her like forced mind meld situation. That one always freaked me out from just like a female perspective and from like a loving to pole perspective. And I was like, oh God, this is just like very spooky in its own right. But I think if we're going more like Halloween-y, I, I don't know. I didn't really see Enterprise as very spooky watching it in high school because it was just sort of like a little too dorky I think sometimes to be spooky and I'm trying to say this delicately so I'm not like trying to bash Enterprise because that's sort of what I love about the show is that it it takes it has sort of an original series feel on the lightness of it but also like a Deep Space Nine feel with the like long arcs and the war arc essentially yeah (laughs) near war arc and so time war arc (laughs) time war yeah literally so many things going on so it has a lot of depth, but, like, that's not really spooky-esque. And so I think, though, going back now, I'd have to say that Dead Stop is one that still gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's very well done, and I can't wait to talk about that episode. So there's my long answer. Ashlyn, what about you? I love it. And I can sense you're not really feeling the spooky spirit with Enterprise. At least, yeah. like, your past self was not. For me... I, all the Zindi episodes, specifically the ones that had the insects, were really mm. scary to me. I, or they're not called the insects. The um, insectoids. Insectoids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what's the sci-fi name of insects? So, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> I just had the oids. Insectoids. Oh my gosh. Sharkoids. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the insectoids were. I mean, they're kind of like scary to look at. And especially mm-hmm. it's like practical. So like that's a real like mask they're wearing. It's not CGI. So it does kind of yeah. look cheesy, but in like a, I don't know, like an old school way. Um, yeah. I also like, they're the most unpredictable like strain of Zindi that we know. Strain, and so like they're a virus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I feel about them. So. <laughs> Even Dagrin or. No, he's not insectoid. Even- Oh, yeah, but he's still... It's only the insectoids that I have an issue with. (laughs) (laughs) He's not very tolerant of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, to me, those, like, any type of dealing they had with them always got really complicated, and it felt like the stakes were really high, and so I think that combined with them being kind of a scary 
looking being too, but definitely stuck out to me growing up. And then I'm with you on Spooky now that we've seen all these episodes. Dead Stop is a fantastic one. And I had several moments throughout just thinking, this is peak Star Trek. Like I, it's a pleasure to watch this episode and I absolutely, I love it. And then also regeneration really stuck out to me as well because I mean, we're going to talk about it, but there are so many Borg episodes and the amount that we fear them has changed a lot. And especially now that we're Enterprise, if you've seen all the Star Trek up till now, you're not very scared of the Borg, but they did a great job in this episode, really making you feel that fear. Just so like hats off to you. Thank you. Yeah. That's one that we added in a little bit later because I was like, we got to have the Borg one. It's so classic. Mm -hmm. So Ashlyn, shall we begin this episode with our alien on board <laughs> section? <laughs> I feel like we need a sound effect. Alien on board. Okay, Voxola. This is a slimy episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Spooky goo is back again. <laughs> yeah, so the episode opens on everybody's freaking out because they had a bad interaction with this species of alien. They were so offended. They left the ship like storming off. So everyone brings up these excuses to pull says, Oh, maybe it's because trips table manners were so bad. And Hoshi's like really beating herself up about it because she's supposed to be the translator. She has a lot of responsibilities on her shoulders. But so shortly after these people depart, they're having movie night. All these characters are like splitting up doing their own thing on like kind of a recreation night, which is nice to see. Uh, I enjoy just, like, seeing naturally what the characters do. I feel like we don't get enough of that. Mm -hmm. Then the power goes out in, like, certain systems, and eventually they find out that there is an organism in the ship. So here we go. The aliens are on board. (laughs) They have arrived. So I think the first thing that I noted about this episode is that I feel like it holds up so much more when the effects hold up, you know, scary stuff does. I don't know, this this organism uh, does not hold up in spookiness because it, I can't even really describe it. It looks kind of like Swiss cheese, but like stretchy. Yeah, it's like Odo. It reminded me of a changeling. Oh, wait, no, you're talking about what you're sorry. You're ta- <laughs> sorry. That like spider one? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, okay, this reminded me actually of Lord of the Rings in the mm. Return of the King, I think, the third one when Frodo's in the spider's cave and he gets all wrapped up and we see all these other victims like stuck in the web Mm -hmm. and the spider like will suck juice from them and like suck their blood as they go. Um, So I was really... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to her it's juice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All those fluids, like that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was actually really feeling Lord of the Rings and uh so that was great i thought that i don't know if it was intentional but it was a nice ode that's cool wow i hadn't thought of that yeah i think about lord of the rings a lot so (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah we find out first of course the first to notice is sweet porthos who is a great guard dog and everyone should listen to more if he's barking at the ceiling you know figure out what's going on no one notices but it's this little entity crawling around looking for a place to rest its tentacles and start to capture its people, which it finds in the cargo bay. Yes. And then that's when it starts to expand and get really big and is capturing everyone. I just gotta say, like, this is a classic red shirt moment. 
Um, yes. It shows these two ensigns that we've never seen in our lives. They're so cute, though. <laughs> I do love this. Like, but we actually get to see them talk. I just think they're marked for death. Like, when, yes. I, when I see characters I've never seen ever on a show before exchange words, I'm like, oh, yeah. no. Like, not with a member of the crew. Like, it's all over. So I was pleasantly surprised it was just one of them. It was just the dude who true. got captured. Yeah. And everyone ends up living, too. So it's not a true resident situation, but oh, boy. I was actually so impressed that there a lot of Enterprise did not just needlessly kill off red shirts. Yes. Like it really we had them getting injured and maimed a lot. <laughs> Poor people. But they still lived. So <laughs> live to tell the tale <laughs> of maim and injury. So. Yeah. Well yeah. and it's interesting because in general, I mean Enterprise, yes, it's terrible to lose a crew member. But I feel like in later shows, there's so many crewmen on board and it, like, I don't know, it happens, like, yeah. maybe more often. And they can, like, deal with a death. Like, if their chief engineer dies, they can bring someone to replace them, you know. But with yeah. Archer, he's out alone by himself. No one can replace anyone that he loses unless they go home to Earth. That's not, I'm just saying in a pragmatic <laughs> way. <laughs> Stone cold. <laughs> But I do get what you're saying. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm just I'm just saying from like a practical standpoint. So the stakes feel higher because totally. what if like everyone dies? Like it's and there's no one around to save them. Like yeah, it's just it's rough. It's really rough. Yeah, and you know you were comparing to Lord of the Rings what this entity, this creature, goo thing. So we see that the tentacles have taken over uh, that cargo bay. They've they're, they've taken quite a few hostages at this point, and everyone else is freaking out, as they usually do. A lot of this crew is just having time, like, what do we do? The captain's not here. You know, usually Reed. Oh my God, I mean, Reed was Reed. trying to, like, kill it. Reed was aggressive. Yeah. He was, like, ready to mutiny against a pole. Like, it was no good. Yeah. Um, they're finally able to get, like, a sample, because Reed's able to cut off one of the tentacles, and then Phlox is using it trying to get a sample to understand what is its weakness. And so they use those pulses in the cargo bay um, to try to defeat this entity. And instead, it's like killing or really hurting the the hostages and the crew, pe- crew people. And so that really reminded me of Stranger Things, you know, and there's a lot of this in horror as well, is that sort of the hive mind, the tentacles, like if they attach to you, you know, they're going to be reading your thoughts. And they do become like, telepathic to each other it's really interesting um it just takes a turn I didn't think it would and so I thought that was really cool yes I totally agree I I want to talk a little bit about to pull and read and flocks and how like the three of them are handling this because mm-hmm. Reed wants to try to kill it and like wants to try to neutralize the uh, the species or tries to like neutralize the little dude on board and mm-hmm. and Topol doesn't even hesitate when she agrees she's like yes neutralize it like if Flox is advocating for let's try to communicate this could be mm-hmm. a sentient being we can't just go about like killing it you know even yeah. if it has our people but Topol is ruthless like she's like me like she doesn't care <laughs> she's like yeah. I like no you have to kill it yeah, like, it's Hoshi and Phlox who have to convince, pretty much, and it's only because now they're attached to the hostages that they're not able to kill it, you know? It doesn't so work, yep. It's just because it doesn't work. Yeah, they weren't fully prepared, and it just makes me 
think about like the chain of command when it not really breaks down, but when there's a shift shift in it, and ha losing two prominent people like the captain and the chief engineer, is it's a tough situation. <laughs> so Reed lashes out in this way, and that's like how he shows his fears. He says revenge, and I'm going to get back the person who hurt my people or who you know, just sort of fight against the fear, you know, and T'Pol is just, like, going with it, you know, and I think, too, because she sees no other alternative, and it's the logical solution. I also think it's because she's afraid to become captain. Totally. I mean, and, like, she cares about Archer, but also she's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do not want this position. Yeah. Absolutely. Dang. Dan is really sleeping, so if oh. you're an airplane, it's actually my Snoring cat boy. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I just, I thought it really escalated when it's like Flocks versus Reed, when they have the yeah. vine in the chamber, and straight up Reed is trying to torture it. <laughs> like, yeah. that is intense. Oof. And he doesn't even think that anything's wrong with that, and Flocks is like, you are not effing doing that in my sick bay. Yeah, that's the scary part, I think, too, is that he doesn't realize it's wrong, or doesn't see any problem with it, and oh, that's just like red flag behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. I yeah. thought that all of these conflicts that they were having really added a lot of stress and strain into the tent or into the atmosphere of the episode. And that's like another reason why I thought it was like very suspenseful throughout. And it like, it really balanced what was going on with the crew who stuck in the vines. Cause they're trying to connect to each other and trying to stay alive and like, Hey, read my mind. Like, tell me what I'm thinking. Stay awake. Yeah. Like don't succumb to the vines. So it's interesting to see kind of the fracturing that's going on in the episode. Yes, such a good point, Ashlyn. And that is a really cool tactic that they're able to use sort of to fight against the vines. <laughs> they're just down the vines. <laughs> coined. Um, so, oh, it's such a good point. This is a really cool episode. I think that I just can't really relate to the spookiness of it because I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen this kind of trope before but I really do like the twist that they take it actually has a language of like tones and music and Hoshi's able to figure that out and it's so amazing such a Star Trek ending that like it's diplomacy that saves the day as usual I just wish that um T'Pol and Hoshi got to sing together to yes. like a, a la Strange New World Spock yes, and Ahura. Uh, I'm yes. just saying that would be really cool to hear them sing. Amazing. But it's fine. Like they both use linguistics and like linguistics and advanced calc to yeah. <laughs> like figure out what, what the vines are saying. It's incredible. What a great spin to this episode that would have normally been sort of like Okay, run-of-the-mill, Scary Vines episode. Yeah. Um, the, a person I want to note is also Mr. Mayweather. <laughs> because yes. he single-handedly pulls half of the effort in this episode. And yeah. it's very much on the DL. Because yes. like he's just chilling on the bridge. And the aliens, he finally is able to contact them. The ones who were so grumpy in the beginning. And yeah. he convinces them that they're sorry. And like, you know, he he's like being a diplomat <laughs> on his yes. own, just chilling on the bridge. <laughs> and then he ends up getting the coordinates that the vines are from. Yeah. So it, like all of this other stuff is happening and they're like trying to communicate with the vines and what the vines are trying to say is get me home. 
Yeah, like this is how we need to survive is by like a hive mind situation, hive yeah. vine situation. Yes, time. and it's because of Mayweather. Like he was already yes. on it. And like I think at one point um, when Archer's like reading his mind, uh, T'Pol says, we already have the coordinates. Like, yeah. and I'm like, it's because of Mayweather. No one said yeah. thank you. Thank you, that's like, so true. Yes. yes. And then the creature gave it like coordinates on a planet or whatever, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clutch. Absolutely clutch. And the fact that they just learned English in, like, a day. Yeah. Oh, my God, it was pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, uh, <laughs> that says a lot about us. <laughs> like, you have a simple language. language. <laughs> what a roast. <laughs> Though they were not assimilated into the hive vine, now the crew gets threatened again to get assimilated by the hive mind. In regeneration. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> da, da. Great transition, Rihanna. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I talked about how much I love this episode already and how freaky it is for me. One of the best ways that they showcase how scary the Borg are is by putting them up against 22nd century humans, like basically us. Like the, yeah. that was really a, a sense that I got from watching Enterprise this round is we feel really close to Enterprise. Like it really mimics our earth in a lot of ways. Like totally. they're still watching sports. Like water yeah. polo exists in the, in the 22nd yeah. century. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And also football still exists. That was nuts. Be- yeah, like what? in no. uh, Voxola, <laughs> Archer and Trip were having like a sports conversation. <laughs> like, I'm sure they weren't talking about soccer. No, because Trip has a line where like Archer's trying to explain water polo to him. And then he's like, well, I'd rather watch a linebacker run down no. the 20-yard <laughs> line cracking skulls. And I was like, oh, no. no. Like we still have football. It's crazy. No. <laughs> it's just nothing against anyone who likes football. But it's so bad for your body. Yeah, literally. That it it seems crazy in a Star Trek society. They wouldn't have. (laughs) Although, who knows? Actually, baseball. I don't think is like it's probably a sport now, but we know it's not really common in In Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Yeah, like not at all. Like baseball's done. Back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he did. (laughs) Maybe I I shouldn't judge it too harshly. Maybe they have technology so people don't like break their bodies, but. Yeah, true. Good That's point. what I would hope. Yeah. But I but we're so like pre they can't even go warp six, you know. Yeah. And so their technology or their their um medical technology is not as advanced as it needs to be. Yeah, without flocks they'd be like effed. Screwed, yeah. Um, absolutely. So all of this to say, we just talked about how terribly <laughs> the crew is doing just c- because of their lack of technology. So imagine those poor little children against the Borg, who yeah. we know are future Borg. Like, these are the Borg from First Contact. <laughs> like, these are technically yeah. 24th century Borg. <laughs> that's terrifying. So that, that's, yeah, that's very scary to me. Like, 200 years in the future... And also, like, all these humans, they make the worst mistakes that you possibly can with the Borg. And again, that's a great part of, like, building tension in a horror movie is watching the characters all do stupid things. And because you're like, please don't do that. And I I thought the... Scream at the TV. Yeah. Oh, absolutely screaming. Yeah. Um, I thought also, like, one of the best parts of this episode was when the main scientist is looking at the Borg in the like autopsy room, like in the hospital, whatever. And it's completely silent. There's no music at all. And 
the music only starts like a big like when the Borg Mm. opens his eyes and is like reaching towards the dude. And I just thought that silence when everyone knows what the Borg are. And even if you don't, like even if you're just watching Enterprise as your first Star Trek, I think you can get the gist that this is not good if this Borg gets this dude. Especially because the doctor's learning, oh my gosh, wow, it's regenerating its cells. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll stay in the room with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because they ordered him to, like, keep it going. Let's see what happens. You know, exactly like you're saying, those stupid mistakes. I was also, I was going to say that this, like, technique of the scientists in the beginning, it really made me think about Doctor Who as well and Mm -hmm. how they handle their villains. Because Mm -hmm. in classic Who, the Cybermen, the Daleks... Mm-hmm. Um, like these historic villains were introduced and then they are brought back in the new show. So people yeah. who know the old show are like, oh my God, these crazy Daleks are back. Yeah. Um, and also because the doctor had rotating companions, mm-hmm. every time a new companion was there, the doctor has to re-explain like what the Daleks are. But you're seeing yeah. both perspectives of someone who doesn't know how dangerous they are and someone who is like, is their mortal enemy, you know? Yes. Um, which which keeps it interesting, and I feel like that's how it feels for us watching this episode because they are so dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're like, oh no, we don't need to put them back in deep freeze. Like, let's just leave them out. Let's yeah. let's take their arms off. And oh my god, <laughs> thank you for that comparison, Ashlyn. That is so true. You know, and this opening I think is one of the most successful ones for a spooky opening because we're starting out in Starfleet's like deep polar like i don't i don't do they say which state or which country? i was assuming antarctica but i don't know yeah it looks like antarctica but who knows it's it's very cold <laughs> very glacial um and it just instantly this opening scene brought me right back to the x-files in the episode ice it's like a season one episode so yes. it's pretty early on such a memorable one because the like pretty much go back and watch the opening before the the beautiful the opening credits because it starts out where this like Alaskan research team is all killed by this like mysterious something and they're like isolated and alone because it's like up there in this crazy you know Alaska freezing um conditions and I just love that they were able to sort of use this opening as a great way to start great way to start a spooky story like i haven't i've actually played the board game but like also the thing you know uh i believe starts that way as well so you know just a great set for the tone of the episode yes totally agree with you rihanna uh and who knows i mean x files was like pretty big sci-fi show i think yeah i wouldn't be surprised if this was if this wasn't some kind of ode to it i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah agreed um i hate when the freaking arm device starts spinning (laughs) and and they're all like, Oh, that was weird. Let's just like keep hanging out in this tent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Some of these scenes I'm like, can you please be smarter? And it's just because like the Starfleet commander guy is so dumb and so just like nonchalant. This is what I think is yeah. So important about spooky episodes too, is having characters who don't take it seriously you know, it, it's always the trope of like, huh, Ryan, is that you? You're trying to scare me. And then it's like, Ryan's dead in the closet <laughs> or, or whatever, you know. So, Who turned out the lights? Yeah, literally. So it's nice to, 
<laughs> it's, it's literally so common. It happened in the episode right before this. Discussing <laughs> it, um, they love so, their tropes. They can't help it. <laughs> they can't help it. They're so good. The fact that they're making us wait for the jump scare, too, I thought was brilliant because I'm expecting the Borg to, like, sit up in bed and, like, start assimilating or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just doesn't happen and it keeps not happening. And I'm, I feel like I'm looking around the corner, you know, the next scene, like, please, what's going to happen? Please just scare me and get it over with. But that's what's so great about the Borg, you know, is that, like... The board just won't. <laughs> they just wait for they, you. Yeah, yeah, they come to, to you. Down. Yeah, they come to you slowly, and it's you'll still die. Like, so true, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, and so especially when they're on the board ship, <laughs> like everyone just does this. Why? You know, the board. Literally every single human that we've met when they're discovering every board for the crew. first time, like Annika's parents. Yeah, and some new. Pro- Oh god, um spoilers. A prodigy does this too. Prodigy does um, this. In the TNG. most recent or like two episodes ago, TNG does this Voyager does that too. Janeway's like, let's hop on board. <laughs> Step right in, folks. Like yeah. humans are just dumb. They're oh. just too curious. Like, and so that's what gets them into trouble a lot. Can you imagine like <laughs> no no one's like answering hails and so your yeah. default is to like illegally board their ship yeah what? so unhinged how are humans okay <laughs> how are we still alive like in that century especially once flocks gets assimilated bro. or gets the nanoprobes bro yeah <laughs> sorry i'm just like in shock i always forget <laughs> this happens <laughs> yeah. like canonically yeah flocks has nanoprobes probably just still in him like that's terrifying um, I need more explanation. Ashlyn, what happened to Phlox? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> oh, there was such a, like, weird, funny scene. Um, yeah. Well, first, I just want to say that this is the slowest, slowest assimilation I've ever seen. Because even in the beginning, I think it's, I think it's Phlox specifically. Like, even the other humans get assimilated so quick. Like, within yeah. 12 hours. And the entire episode... Flux is, like, fine, and in the last five minutes, his face looks a little, like, tired. Yeah, he has some, like, you know, Borgish vein. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, maybe the story version is that they were, like, still kind of cold, so they know Prue's were moving slowly, <laughs> or maybe that the Borg just haven't been awake in a while, so mm-hmm. the nanoprobes are, again, they're not, like, at functional capacity, I don't know. But either way, it's it's hilarious, and Flux is just like, ah. So how he ends up destroying the nanoprobes, it's, it's very brushed over. He says, like, two sentences. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then it's like it. flashing between um so he basically says i have found this type of radiation which is what everyone uses this is the cure-all yeah. solution yeah. this type of radiation is affecting the nanoprobes like it's killing them a little bit and so mm-hmm. he's like but it would be a fatal dose for, to give it to myself so i'm trying to figure out a different way and then he just goes in the MRI machine and, like, floods himself with radiation, <laughs> like, at the peak of the episode. Because he's like, oh, God, they're about to take over. So he's just like, ah, like, in the um, in the MRI machine. I wouldn't be surprised if he had, like, an extra coating that, like, blocks for radiation, like a Spock move. You know? I don't know. I mean, yeah, the noble and stuff we don't know about, but. Wow. That's oh, hilarious. That's how yeah. he got out of it. He got the most plot armor in this episode. <laughs> like, from the board. Seriously. I thought they were going to go full assimilation with him. I thought it was going to be the whole shebang. Like, shave his head. Here we go. Flox is now a Borg. <laughs> I gotta, like, reassimilate him for an episode. I think it would be too unbelievable to think that 
enterprise era technology could remove him safely from the Borg, though. You You're know, so right? Yeah, that would. And so it's work. like once he's assimilated, like that's what they late. end up blowing the other ones out of the airlock. The yeah. this research scientist, and that actually was very freaky to me yes. because we spent so long, or at least five minutes with ten them. Ten minutes we see oh. until we until we see our crew. Yeah, we get so we get ten team. minutes with this team, so you're feeling a little connected to them because you hope mm-hmm. gonna, they're going to survive the Borg. <laughs> yeah, but no, but you know they're not. You know they're fodder for the plot. I know. Like, it's still it's so sad. Yeah, it, that really got to me was seeing like the female researcher as a yeah. Borg. Like I, I knew her. I knew her. I knew. <laughs> And they yeah. just blow her out of the airlock, which is what they had to do, even though it's sad. It's tragic, but yeah. I, I, I did think that Archer saved all of their lives by blowing them out totally. of the airlock because they didn't have a way to fight. Like, the Enterprise would have been assimilated immediately. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and one thing I noticed, which was definitely a first contact reference, which there was quite a few in this episode, but I love when he says something about holographic bullets and i'm like you're literally referring to the scene in the holodeck yep. where Picard's going feral <laughs> on the board with the holographic bullets yep so i was like that's genius i just love the things the little one-liners they slipped in there so of course brought up cochran a lot but they bring up cochran like every two episodes so archer loves talking about cochran oh my god other people too <laughs> discuss hilarious yes Oh, and then, as if we didn't need a more unsettling way to end this episode, finally they get the board off the ship, but, and parts of the, um, because the Enterprise was, like, sort of assimilated, and so they, like, yeah. find a way to stop the Borg from using those parts of the technology. And no trip. <laughs> yeah, and so they're just in a ship. They ended up exploding, but they sent a message to someone in the Delta Quadrant and they figure out that, like, uh, it's coordinates for Earth. So it's basically pointing them in the direction. We talk about this really specifically in our time travel episode, actually, yeah. um, if you want a more detailed explanation. But essentially, T'Pol says it's going to take 200 years to reach the Delta Quadrant. And, like, by then, it'll be fine. Like, we don't have to worry about the Borg. You know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, Incredible. Yeah. It's it's very, very unsettling because Archer's like, ugh. Like, no one feels good about it, but at least they were able to save themselves from the Borg this time. Totally. Yeah, I mean, this is just incredible in so many ways. And what a great ending, like you said, to really put the pieces together. And you're thinking about Q and you're thinking about the episodes we just watched. And I'm like, oh, God, the Borg. <laughs> like, Q does not just... care about Archer. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's... And I've never visited him. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Great episode. Love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's go on to Impulse. You know, I think this is the only episode that we haven't watched as another part of the podcast before. Whoa. <laughs> is that real? I think you might this be. Activities. Well, no, Strange New World. Wow. We haven't seen before either. Yeah. So it's really cool. You know, I mean, most of these we've talked about, but it's fun to look at a spooky lens. But of course, I love seeing episodes. <laughs> I love a spooky lens. Rena, does your spooky lens have like a pumpkin on it? <laughs> no, it's got bats like hanging out oh, of each side. Oh, that's so spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was cool to see Impulse, though, because it's like such a, an episode that I don't remember much about, but was very spooked along the way. Yes, and I'm glad we got to watch it, particularly after we talked so much about like Vulcan primal instincts on the Voyager yes. episode. So this felt like a like great successor or like like some kind of like response to that. This is about 
let me see, this is in like early season three, and at this point, Enterprise is trapped in the Expanse, doing their Expanse arc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they hear a distress call from the Salea, which is a great reference, and it makes me want to climb the steps to Mount Salea yeah, on same. Vulcan um, with Spock. Climb the steps. Or, steps. <laughs> <laughs> or no, McCoy, it's, yeah, yeah, McCoy. Yeah, holding the contra. <laughs> He's got to climb up the steps. Climb the steps. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the USS, not the USS, the, um, the Salea. Um, and all, like, they have not, no one has seen or heard from the Salea in a couple months. So it, this is insane to find out where they are. And yeah. it turns out once they beam aboard that all the Vulcans have gone insane Mm-hmm. And they're basically zombies. I really thought of this as a zombie episode. It really is. It's perfect for our <laughs> spooky series. Like, yeah. Really, they gave it to us. Yeah. Um, I think that this is even creepier because this is a ship, the Salea, that was pursuing another ship, another Vulcan ship that had come in. It was the famous one that, like, they had transmissions of to try to scare Archer into not going into <laughs> the Expanse. I do not recall its name, but they were going in to, like find the survivors of that and to see if they could retrieve them and that's what happened to the Salea so it's just like even creepier they're yeah. sending in ship after ship and it's or like each ship is getting horrific things happening to them and clearly this is awful what's going on with these Vulcans like it's so fascinating though because the opening of this when they latch on to the Salea through the shuttle such great camera angles and everything works so well in this to make it so suspenseful but also i truly believe that it's abandoned or that people are just going to be dead and so to see these vulcan zombies like walking on after you and have metal pipes in their hands and they're like snarling and mad it's it's so well done it's amazing i was really spooked and especially because they spend a couple minutes on the ship with no one there like they haven't seen any zombies yet and um when it finally happens, it's a good jump scare. It's like, oh my god, what is Whoa. happening right now? Yeah. Um, especially because it's because it's Vulcans who are the most like calm, like yeah. noble race that everyone besides Archer loves. <laughs> um, I mean, they they have some issues in Enterprise, but the issues have never been impulse control. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, I wanted to say because uh, Topol is talking about this because she's starting to feel the effects when they go on board, and she talks about. Vulcans it reminds everyone who doesn't know yeah. what um, Vulcans were before their like dedication to logic and like hiding, not hiding, but like dealing with their emotions. She says paranoia and homicidal rage was common in that mm-hmm. time. And so these are the exact symptoms that everyone is feeling. And she's getting so like paranoid herself. That's how it starts. Yeah. I mean, she even describes them, yeah, as disrupting their synaptic brain function, which is what disrupts that suppression of emotions and like their faces are like dead looking like they're like so creepy and these great extras they did a lot of great work for this episode um and i just love the idea of you know trap them on a terrifying ship and abandon them because they can't those vulcan zombies are like blocking the airlock and it's clear that they're like conscious enough to know that they don't want them to escape like they want them to die there with them and it's just like oh my god like the paranoia and the anger runs so deep. And when T'Pol starts to feel the effects, I say yet again, where's your bio suit? I was thinking this too, Rihanna. <laughs> where's your bio suit? Also, you wear them on like every other mission, T'Pol. 
Oh, oh man. Also, yeah. to add to the spooky scene that's going on in Salea, did mm-hmm. you catch that line that the walls were covered in blood? Yeah. What? What? That is... What? Like, that means that the way that they are murdering people is so, like, nasty. That blood is just spilling everywhere. Spurting on the wall. They're not just, like, yeah. shooting each other. They're, like, ripping each other apart. That's insane. Yeah, that's next level. Like, <laughs> I mean, you saw at the beginning of this episode how Topol is, like, convinced that everyone's out to kill her. And she's, like, screaming at the top of her lungs and, like, thrashing and stuff. And so, I think truly... Like, this is, you know, fighting this urge you can't control. Or thinking about Tuvok again. <laughs> I just think that Jolene Balak's acting here is so good, you yes. know? And it's probably really fun when you get to play a, such a different role of your still version of your character, you know? And um, just the way she's slowly deteriorating. And Archer is, like, really putting so much on her. He's like, anyway, let's keep going. You'll be fine. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, the zero compassion just because he thinks she doesn't like need it or want it. I, man, I really felt that too. I thought it took forever for them to understand the serious thing that T'Pol was going through because yeah. for Vulcans, like any loss of control is terrible. And so yeah. not only, yeah, yeah, she's an officer, like she can handle herself, but like just for their safety, like she's going to turn soon, you yeah. know? And like, don't you want her to not... <laughs> Exactly. So, Why did they knock her out earlier? Like you said, Ashlyn, put him to sleep. Okay, I was thinking that again in this episode. <laughs> knock her out and then just carry her around. Like, Literally. just lie her by the exit and they'll come get her <laughs> later, you know? God. Yeah. No, literally. She's envisioning being surrounded by these zombie Vulcans and they're like, it's a scary dream at the end, you know? Like, I feel like this has such crazy effects and, like, no one really thinks about that for her because like oh she's emotionless she doesn't feel anything from that i'm like uh yeah anyone would sorry yeah Yeah. i'm just glad that she was okay because this was a really intense episode and i thought it was smart because the like through her paranoia the writers were able to show like what her insecurities were and like she's saying things like you've been against me from the start Mm -hmm. um just like accusing archer of like betraying her and yeah, and everything. So I thought that was great to watch, too. Just, like, how deep the paranoia runs and, like, what kind of things does it indicate for her as a character. Very, very good point, Ashlyn. Wow. Um, at the end, I did not like that scene where they were about to get got by the um, Vulcan zombies. And then that's, like, right when they beam up. But you see, oh, like, yeah. the hands of all the zombies, like, coming through the door about to get them. And it's just, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, this is such an effective episode. Um, it's, yeah, it's something I didn't really expect from Enterprise, but, like, it does do horror really well, and I think it adds on to the fact that they have to go get a shuttle for them. You know, like, we rely so much on the technology we know from each series, and so just think about it, because, like, things tend to be scarier, because I expect tractor beams or transporters or translators to save them, and that's not happening you know there's got to be these alternatives so it's interesting yeah it's great to see how they deal with it i think seeing everything that um to pull is going through you could argue that this should be in our psychoanalytical section but i'm happy to announce that now we are entering that section so (laughs) remember everything we said about (laughs) her yes and then let's talk about observer effect 
Ooh, I love this episode. It grows on me every time I watch it. I, I enjoy it more and more. I think it's a really fun episode to see the actors get to show their different potentials with a body takeover is always a great way to show your acting range. And then I love also that we're getting people together that you wouldn't really expect to see together a lot. And that's what makes it another really effective episode is that Trip and Hoshi barely spend any time together, but they spend this entire quarantine together. <laughs> and then on the other end, there were like a lot of people found themselves in this situation in yeah, 2020, exactly. hanging out with they someone you don't actually see a lot sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally. Um, and so similarly, Reed and Mayweather are hanging out together. And that's because they're inhabited by these aliens. And so is Phlox and T'Pol are hanging out yeah. together a lot this episode. Yes, I love their science. Uh, that science duo is so good. They help each other out with so many amazing, like they help to solve so many incredibly unsolvable problems in this show. <laughs> yeah, man, what would they do? <laughs> Literally, what would they do? I was inspired by your like Star Trek artwork that you did for October. Like every day you did a different prompt and one day was mm -hmm. rare pairs. And mm -hmm. so I thought this episode was a great example of rare pairs that happen yes. on Enterprise. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. I was thinking about, honestly, I should have done T'Pol and Hoshi as my rare pair because mm -hmm. I love them. That's a um, rare pair. Also, Hoshi and Trip, <laughs> rare pair. Yeah, rare pair for sure. Um, yeah, this was an interesting episode because I think for me, it also really looks into the like exactly how it says the observer effect but the eye of the observer and the way that you have to be so removed from the situation that they have been observing this planet that has this deadly disease on it for i mean at least the effect has been there for ten thousand years and so we don't know how long these observers have been here but it seems like at least a decade or millennia or something going on here so it's incredible to see that humanity was the one to change, you know, that. But I also just love love the way that this is really them psychoanalyzing each person or each crew that comes by and gets infected and how they deal with death, how they deal with life. And but it's really creepy, you know, at the same time. It's also this really invasive way of coming into someone's body and wiping their brains when they're done. Like they have the ability since they're non-physical life forms they can even have it dead bodies they can and completely wipe the minds and they could be curing this disease like this entire time but it is purely observers you know they can't interfere and i don't know i just find you know that 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 does like breach into the territory of surveillance for sure especially when you're watching such intimate moments like this especially these alien species how like they sort of constitute like their rules on observing people. Well, I think that's the point. They don't see them as a culture. They see them as an, like a creature, like, yeah. a, like a lower life form. Like they see humanity as like a bear. True. Or something, you know, like something that isn't sentient, isn't capable of reaching out to, per to perform first contact, which is, it's a very different definition of first contact than we have <laughs> because, yeah. um, there's like two separate stages. It's like discovering that a life form is sentient, sentient is one. And then like being able to complete warp drive is a second qualification for Starfleet. And for this species, the qualifications are not only are you sentient, 
you have to prove your sentience. So just because you can like think for yourself and reason like a normal being, you have to display a specific type of sentience that this one random dude is looking for. So it's mm-hmm. it's very objective and it makes sense that in this whole time this observer has never once had first contact because his standards are so high. Beautiful, beautiful point, Ashlyn. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. I want to highlight a couple of the creepy moments of this episode because overall it's not like extra spooky. <laughs> no one's like walking into spider webs or, you know, whatever. Say, know on paper it's not spooky, but... Yeah, exactly. But the way that it's done is really great because of the acting here. I love the way that Anthony Montgomery plays, the sort of more sympathetic alien. But still, you know, especially in the beginning just straight up observing, asking questions, and standing creepily in a circular window that he just peeks out through. It's like such good acting because it's so creepy. I totally agree. It's it's very awkward too and like just very unsettling. Yeah. So Hoshi and Tripp are like, what is happening? Like that is so weird. Like why aren't you on duty? Yeah. <laughs> why are you doing that? Literally. Another unsettling moment for me was the intro of the episode because you have Reed and Mayweather playing chess. And at first... It seems like it's them, but maybe they're just, like, saying some weird stuff for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. And then as we go on, it's clear that this this is not Travis and Reed in these bodies. This is clearly something else. And the fact that they're talking about chess is, like, supposed to tell the audience right away, like, oh, they're higher life forms because they're, yeah, like, they think chess is easy. Chess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and these two are not really the kind of play chess together. So you're right. It's... it's you definitely know that something's something's happening. Maybe they're forming a friendship. Maybe they got taken over by aliens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I do want to know, amazing part of the episode was when Trip and Hoshi are discussing just, you know, their predicament and everything. And Hoshi talks about the Andromeda strain, which which was written by Michael oh, Crichton. Um, Trip talks about it because Hoshi's oh, sorry, never sorry. seen it. Oh, yeah. Trip talks about Andromeda strain. And I've never seen the movie, but like... Bro, that's like one of my favorite books, and it's such a good sci-fi, horror, suspense, thriller, whatever you want to call it. Um, Definitely, please check it out. It's really fast read. I think I read it in like a week. I read it like in two sittings, yeah. Yeah, well, Ashlyn's a fast reader, so... <laughs> well, it's tiny. Yeah. And big font. Yeah, so the the whole sickness and quarantine vibes are really... Also, adding to my heightened anxiety in this episode, <laughs> obviously, as we're all now, any of these episodes remind us. Um, so it's so well done, especially when Archer has to, like, take off his glove to do the operation. The big old needles, and I thought that, too, was well done. A couple of these episodes, we see some big needles and some, like, medical horror stuff that we haven't really seen a ton of in Star Trek so far. Um, so I thought that that was actually really cool. But also definitely creepy. Like, we saw a hint of that with Harry Kim and his, like, fear of medical procedures and stuff. But this was really just, like, showing us a big needle and stabbing it into Hoshi's heart, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to watch, like, that literal body horror again. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I was just thinking about the trope of, like, bodies being taken over. We haven't really talked about it too much in depth. Like, it, it happens a lot on Star Trek. But yeah. but from a like fear perspective, I just think it's a really effective device because it takes me back. There was actually an episode of SpongeBob where like everyone around him was robots, and it was like 
he didn't know who he was talking to because like there was a robot um or like all his friends and i actually had nightmares for like a couple weeks after watching that episode because i was i was younger obviously and i kept being afraid when i was awake like what if my dad is a robot and he's not Mm. really my dad or what if Mm -hmm. like rihanna is a robot (laughs) like how and then you know trying to think it out like how would that be possible (laughs) like Mm -hmm. when would it have happened you know like just because you want to trust the people around you that you love and on enterprise it's very unsettling because they only have a certain amount of bridge crew and like these essential officers are being taken over not they're not really like doing anything bad but like it's weird to see reed like talking to flocks in the med bay and it's weird to see mayweather like creeping on everybody (laughs) yeah oh my gosh yeah those scenes where he's really Reed is really probing for answers for Phlox. It's just like, you know, Phlox is like, get out of my med bay. Seriously, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, yeah, disconcerting that, oh, they can just wipe your memory at any point. Yeah. Also, that is not great. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing, very disconcerting and so well done. A uh, great amount of tension this episode. It really builds up to a lovely climax and everything where the two are dead that's what we did our death fake out for um and they have this whole struggle of morals and i actually think archer's speech there at the end is really great and he shows like he's having some really great compassion for like i understand why you don't want to interfere but seriously we need to like but like ask us reach out to us that's how you can learn more about us instead of just like observing from afar um but it's, it was really great. I thought this episode really succeeds in both spooky and just like a great, like a, a really psychological episode. I totally agree. This one really has the spirit of the original series episodes. I think like the messaging is pretty like heavy handed. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of like, oh man, humans are so great that they are like one in 800 yeah. or like they're, mm-hmm. they're one of a kind and these species have been doing these tests for so long. So I don't know if I really like that aspect of it because it really like elevates us as a race. And I just don't think we should be celebrated. Star Trek does that all the time. So does Doctor Who. They're like, humanity will save us. And it's like, "Mm." I just like, I think I used to believe in humanity more than I do now. So I just, maybe this is why I need to watch even more Star Trek than I already am. pilot on more <laughs> but i i thought it really had the spirit of original series like this is exactly the type of speech that i could see kirk making as well or anyone really um 100 yeah. so great speech and like cheesy speech but great speech yeah Hell good yeah. good episode shall we move on to another aspect of our psychoanalytical section which is isolation loneliness something that we've discussed in depth in Voyager and in the episode one in Voyager, which now we're discussing in the episode Doctor's Orders with a little Phlox take on this. Yeah, this is Phlox's Seven of Nine episode where yeah. the whole crew is napping and yeah. he has to take care of the crew on their own. And this time, instead of having a holographic doctor, he's a real doctor, yeah. but he does have a not-so-corporeal friend with him. He has imaginary to pull with yes. him too and Rihanna I want to know right away did you think Depole was real by the time I thought that honestly the first scene that she shows up it's too late into the episode for me to feel like it's real 
you know, especially because we've had a seven of nine rigmarole <laughs> with one, you know, and the whole entity she like brought up from her mind created from loneliness and Phlox has already been hallucinating, but I think it, it, I was questioning it. I first thought, okay, huh, maybe that's just something that they haven't mentioned because T'Pol has been in her quarters and that sort of explains away like, where has she been? But he hasn't said anything about it to his uh, friend and the, uh, to, to Dr. Lucas and his, his pen pal, you know, so definitely a red flag for me. I was like, something's wrong here. T'Pol just like appeared and no one's spoken of her, but we also haven't seen her asleep either. Yes. The scene that I kept thinking about was when Phlox finally put Archer to sleep mm-hmm. because Archer gives him this whole speech, like a whole vote of confidence, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like after Phlox says, I'm don't tell me like it can't happen because it's going to be fine. No worries. And the doc, and then Archer's like, dude, I trust you. No worries. Like I wouldn't, yeah. no one else could do this, but you. So yeah, thank you. And it was weird that he didn't mention to pull at all. And he yes. would give such a grandiose speech if T'Pol was there too, because he would yeah. just be like, oh, T'Pol and you will split up the duties. It'll be fine. Totally. Yeah. So to me, I, right away, I knew I was tested. Oh boy, was I tested in my belief yes. because like so many things happened throughout this episode where T'Pol seems like she's helping them in this crisis, but it turns out like she, but she, her explanation is why she actually can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, is that she's, like, going crazy and, like, it's having an effect on her, too. And she's just, like, unable to operate the controls. But really, yeah. it's because she's imaginary. Yeah. So, of course, she can't do things that Flox can't do himself. That was so genius because the more that went on, the more I was like, absolutely, this is just an invention of Flox's mind. But there, you're right, there's always that kernel of doubt and that question of, okay, but this is Star Trek. Like, this could totally be true that T'Pol is being affected by this. But... She kept acting more and more strange. And at one point she was like, I don't know how to do this. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. She didn't even say it like that. Like, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but he is hallucinating Zindi. And he's, like, hallucinating a bunch of other things going on. So it's just, so it's just such an amazing test of strength that he ha- that he gets through this. Because this is a major test of strength, Rihanna. Literally, it is a major test of strength. Um, I was kind of thinking even... This is sort of a Twilight Zone nightmare at 20,000 feet uh, episode, too, you know, because especially in the beginning, he's like, did you see that? Out the window. And that had to have been a reference. It, it had, had to, to be. be. Yeah. It had to be. Because we didn't actually see what was out there, which I thought was really cool. Like, the build-up to the scene was really neat, where he's starting to see things, and we just see a shadow go outside and everything. And so, yeah, I just thought that this was a really cool set up for this episode the fact that we are getting also a look into Flox's mind and who he invents in order to help protect himself and yeah I'd invent T'Pol too because she's such a pillar of strength and like calmness you know whereas like because that's what he needs whereas Seven of Nine sort of manifested her fears into that character into that um alien yes Rihanna this is wonderful I like in the beginning of the um episode where Phlox seemingly is, like, consulting to Pole about, like, the hallucinations that he's seeing, that he thinks are real. She says, she reminds us that Denobulans are encouraged to have a healthy imagination because it's actually really good for them. Mm-hmm. So he's already, like, hyperactive in yeah. imagining things. And also, he is rarely alone. Like, even in Denobian relationships, it had, I mean, they're, 
like completely poly. Like mm-hmm. he has a couple wives. <laughs> they they yeah. probably have boyfriends and wives and girlfriends and whatever. Yeah, totally. And they like that's how they live. It's just like surrounded by a ton of people. So this is a really hard situation for him, similar to how Seven was extra struggling with being alone. Yeah, that was absolutely gorgeous, the way that they did this. Talking about the two of them, and T'Pol had said, oh, well, I actually prefer solitude and isolation and would prefer to be alone. Most Vulcans would, which I I love that they did that comparison between the two of them. And, yeah, I think that when we really start to see it decay more and more, because first Phlox thinks there's a Zindi after he sees the shadow, and then he goes in and sees Hoshi's gone she's not sleeping similar to what we saw with tom paris you know who kept escaping <laughs> from his pod and seven has to get him back in there flocks heard hoshi just like sc- scream help you know all that stuff and she turns out is like in the shower and her face is all completely messed up it's like they did such good makeup on it it was so creepy looking so creepy and she was just saying like his worst fears like you killed us all and like how dare you and we trusted you the captain trusted you. So yeah, we're seeing these burdens really starting to weigh on his shoulders. And this is how I think his healthy imagination is getting him out, you know, is reflecting his fears is like, oh, into these nightmares almost. That's when your imagination can be a downfall. Yes, absolutely. It's amazing that he's able to actually save the ship because yeah, again, like the seven episode, things aren't going quite correctly. They had a like minor course Correct or no, it was that once Phlox thought it was time to get everybody out, he checked this location and he realized that the like anomaly had expanded way beyond what they had predicted. Yes. And so at impulse, it would take them 10 months to get through. And so he was like, this cannot happen. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is not going to work. And so he decides to turn on the warp engines up to warp mm-hmm. 2. But Trip said basically don't do this and Phlox just opens up the manual and he yeah. does it despite like having so many hallucinations and mm-hmm. being like so affected. It's a really amazing scene to watch, honestly. And to pull's like totally useless, which is another yeah. sign <laughs> that she's not yes. real. Oh my gosh, what a great look into to, into Phlox's character and how he can push through his fears like this. It's so incredible. Yes. Um uh, yeah. I also I love his letter at the end when he's like kind of wrapping up things with Dr. Lucas. Once everyone is woken up and that it worked going to warp. Yeah. Um he's feeling like weird about the whole situation. He's like, sure. "Oh, that was rough." But he says yeah. in the letter, "I debated whether or not to send you this letter anyway because large sections of the letter are now fictitious." Mm-hmm. But, but I thought it would be a good account of my time. And I just, I would die to be the recipient of that letter. Like, I have this artifact yeah. of history of, like, what was going on on Enterprise. Like, I have written proof yeah. about, like, what Flock thought he was experiencing. That's crazy. So cool. I'm so glad that he sent it. Poor Lucas. I love that. Dude. I love Lucas. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh- He's like, Flox is tripping. He's like, wow, he had a journey this week. Um, <laughs> seems like it's every week for these guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm desperate to talk about Strange New World. <laughs> yes, please. This is such a good episode. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Okay, let's talk about this one. <laughs> um, once again, people doing things I think are incredibly stupid, which is Archer choosing to go down on this planet. T'Pol was like, we would never beam down. 
Because they needed to do surveys. They didn't know if there was a living life there. They haven't checked anything. Yes, yes. No exactly. biosuits. It's so dumb. <laughs> like, they can't do any... De- like, they have to... Like, they're explorers. Why aren't they willing to take the time to do it properly? I, I just think this is so irresponsible. And Archer could have gotten someone killed easily he could have gotten the whole team down there killed because it seems like a paradise planet where hey it's like so similar to earth that's awesome but like using people on the surface to get this information is so much more risky than just not taking it at all yeah or doing taking the three days as to pull suggests to do the research but they're so anxious to get out into the world that they're naive and it's what gets them into trouble it's exactly correct ashlyn i think that the fact, too, that we have Archer, like, choosing sort of this recklessness over being cautious is then in detriment to the crew because they have no easy way to get back to them. You know, they have to take the shuttle, and we can't rely on transporters, and I have to keep reminding myself of that. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, we can't just have this. I mean, usually there's an ion storm anyway, so probably wouldn't be able to beam up <laughs> if they were. Um, That would have taken them to the mirror universe, so we can't have that quite yet. No, not yet. Um, So, yeah, and I think just the fact, too, that then they're so nonchalant about it. Like, it makes me mad almost. I'm like, because I I don't remember this episode, but I was like, but this is a spooky episode, so something's going to go horribly wrong. And you are all acting (laughs) so calm, you're taking pictures. Like, to pull, of course, start searching right away, which I'm like, this is a Spock move, you know, immediately with your tricorder out, taking like every single note of all the readings and she's what you should be doing she's trying to arm herself with information too like what if she scans it and she's like oh there's like a little bit of like poison air or something yeah yeah exactly or if they took the time to scan the planet they would notice that there was this like a gas that was gonna leak down the mountain with the wind (laughs) (laughs) i think it would have been a kind of an easy find and maybe not just leave your people down there in tents like how how moronic like i know you want to go camping but good lord yeah so keeping them down to camp in these like flimsy tents is a terrible idea (laughs) the thing that i just about died at was they're like asleep and then suddenly trip trip goes crazy because there's like a scorpion type thing in his tent and he's just like freaking out he's like i am not sleeping if there's a little like alien creature in my sleeping bag like yeah no no and so he's like get it squash it he says to mayweather and mayweather's yeah. like are we allowed to squash alien life forms and then I, I, like trip just keeps going on about no, it he's like says if they're inside your sleeping bag <laughs> yeah and then he keeps going on and travis eventually because he's like oh travis like put it on the lowest stun setting and mm-hmm. maybe we can get it and travis says um you want to shoot a bug <laughs> <laughs> i love that that is one of my favorite things because that is so me i'm like stun it stun it shoot it get it out of here it's like the ridiculousness of the situation like we're on an alien planet it's like you try to shoot a bug bro like <laughs> I love that Tucker and Mayweather freaking out and then T'Pol sees them like the flashlights going, the tents going crazy um, and he, she calls them on her communicator and she's like, gentlemen, do you need help? She's pretty much like, do you want me to go kill that bug for you? <laughs> Which I absolutely love because of course Trip's like, no, we've got it. And then they continue to keep struggling. What a fantastic part of the episode. Um, especially because it's on the tail end of them talking through, like, sk- sharing spooky stories around the campfire. 
And Ashlyn, this is something that you discussed loving so much about like sharing. It is about that like communal sharing of a story and even sort of that feeling you get when you go to bed. You're like, ooh, I'm still kind of like on edge. But that does not go well with this environment because it makes one of our poor little ensigns very stressed and start to think, oh, there's something outside. And Butler's like, it's just the wind. Shut up. Go back to sleep. And he's like, I can't. I'm freaking out. And so, um, but I do love their little campfire story. It was so cute to hear the stories that had obviously been passed on to Mayweather from his, you know, his boomer days on the cargo ships. Yeah, they called him a boomer. <laughs> yeah. I love, it's just like, it's just ghost stories, but with futuristic terms, you know, it's like, and then did, little did he know the airlock had been opened, you know, and like all this stuff. And it's just, I love that because like ghost stories really stay the same wherever you're at. Yeah, exactly. Just change whatever door you're walking through. <laughs> yeah. The wooden door <laughs> creaked. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see like, finally when everyone is really paranoid and kind of going crazy from this like poison wind that has got them how quickly the situation deteriorates and this is also like this is hard for a couple reasons because to pull this is only the fourth episode so she is facing extreme honestly like racism (laughs) like they are being yeah very awful to her because she's a Vulcan and like any chance they can get they're cracking the you don't have emotions like mm-hmm. every every type of difference that she displays they point out and it's, it's really annoying like no respect for Chipotle yet um, and yeah. also she doesn't really like them either that much at this point and so they have this underlying tension because she's constantly being harassed and trip just like goes all in (laughs) and it because like they're going crazy and becoming so paranoid it really tests to pull's logic because she's like is this actually trip like is he just like coming unraveled and this is really him having like a mental breakdown or is he being affected by something obviously he's being affected like knowing trip as a character he would never actually succumb to this level of like freaking out but True. because it's so early in their relationship, I thought that might have been playing a factor. Like, to pull is just so, I don't know. She 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 does a great job in this episode, and I'm, I love that she calls up to Archer. That part is one of the scariest parts for me, is when she's like, to pull to Enterprise, and he's like, all right, what's up, to pull? She says, a gun is being pointed at my face. Like, yeah. get it on the record, you know, that, yeah, like, exactly. Trip is trying to kill her. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so scary. And this all happens because Instant Cutler sees what she thinks is to pull talking to some aliens, the rock people, as they call them <laughs> later, because they obviously don't exist. Uh, this place is uninhabited. And she thinks that they're like, she's on their side, or whatever that means, because, you know, paranoia just spirals you out of control so quickly. To pull says, that's what, I, what makes humans so volatile, is that your paranoia like completely rules you um and it turns out too that T'Pol is also being affected by this but she's T'Pol and she's really effing amazing at controlling her emotions and her reactions to things that we don't really see her start to unravel till the end and even so she keeps it really like she just keeps it up and does amazing uh especially in the face of this like terror of having someone that you know well and you have dinners with probably every night hold a phaser to your face and like really intent to kill you I thought in like you said, that scary part of her calling up. And then she calls up again later. She can now only speak in Vulcan. She's reverting back to her native language, 
um, as due to the, the drug in their system, uh, she says that she's like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like live much longer, like in Vulcan, essentially. And Hoshi and her have this discussion of like trips, like truly losing it. Like he might not, like I actually might not live through this. So to see the stakes of this episode and the fact that Archer can't be there, you know, to, to really nullify the situation because he could totally talk trip down and get him to do the injections. That'll help him like, the, you know, to make it until they can show up with the shuttle because they had to come back for them, which was just terrible. And they kept trying to come back to them, baby, but <laughs> there was a storm. So the yeah. shuttle uh, couldn't land. Yeah. I was really like shocked that they went this route because it's so extreme for Star Trek. Like we haven't mm -hmm. seen like this type of flip before where it like it could happen. Like trip could kill it. Yeah. It, it does remind me of like the Tuvok episode where he just like becomes so violent. So once again, they're pushing the boundaries of what we've seen before. And yeah. it does make me think about like, violence against women and like I don't know I just I didn't I didn't like mm -hmm. the scenes at all because it was really um just hard to watch like so him scary. lose yeah. it over to pull and just becoming so unreasonable and so violent it's hard to <laughs> hard to see yeah. yeah especially beloved trip I'm like oh my god I know yeah um so luckily to is able to play the part and talk to the fake rock people in Vulcan and pretend to have this conversation to back them down and then T'Pol is able to give him the injection he needs uh, and that she needs in order for them to make it out of this but god like all these people almost die like this is because Archer sent sticks. them down yeah unless this is Archer's intense. fault Archer's fault <laughs> yeah and and Phlox blames himself for the death of the ensign because one of the one who was going kind of crazy earlier like he was feeling the effects first and they tried to beam him up. I thought it was going to be a motion picture situation, but he survived the beam up, but didn't survive the like effects of the hallucinogen because it released a toxin later on that like killed him. And so that's what they were vaccinating for, which great. They were able to figure it out. But of course, Phlox blames himself. And I'm like, no, blame Archer. <laughs> blame Archer. <laughs> yeah. Do. And one more thing I want to say too is when Archer is trying to talk Trip down, he says we've dealt with this mind simulation in training before and these mind altering hallucinogens and stuff. I'm like, that's intense. I didn't know Starfleet put them through that stuff, but that's actually like really smart. You know, like you, you, un this is similar, like you understand these effects, but, um, it felt so real to him in the moment. He wasn't able to differentiate from his training and, Ooh, that's rough. That's really rough. I mean, it reminds me of other episodes where, we see Trip under some kind of pressure or drug, and he never handles it well. I'm thinking yeah, about like true. the one where he gets pregnant. <laughs> yeah. He like I'm not feeling so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Trippy. Poor Trip. Yeah. Trippy's tripping. I mean, and like thanks to Archer because he was the one who thought about coming up with this like lie to tell him. Yeah. Because he knows Trip really well, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry, it's it's all a secret." Blah blah blah, yeah. making stuff up. I think it's also to pull that says challenge your preconceptions or they'll challenge you in mm -hmm. talking about like the differences between them. And that line really stuck with me from this episode. Not spooky, but very, um, very important, important. Yep. Wow. Thank you. Ashlyn. love that. Okay. I'm so excited because it is time for the last section of the podcast. Rihanna, will you do your best Carly Wade Jepsen impression for me? I'm coming back for you, baby. 
I'm coming back for you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> okay, Ashley, do your best. Okay. Got a channel. Because I'm coming back for you, baby. I'm coming back for you. Yeah, that oh. was really good. I, my husband and I have been like trying to perfectly <laughs> replicate exactly her inflections because her you, it's like, what is it like a, what emotion is that the you, yeah. you what know? What is she coming back for? And since we can't pin it down, we figured these are three different versions. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and low key, again, a great transition because Strange New Worlds was kind of one because they yeah, kept trying we were to. debating. Yeah. yeah, they kept trying to pick up um, the poor landing crew with the shuttle Dark and they said, couldn't. I'm coming back for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so in Fight or Flight, um, they're coming back for them, baby. For those bodies, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the threatening kind. The first yeah. one we'll be discussing. If Carly Rae Jepsen was threatening. Um, and <laughs> this is the very second episode of All of Enterprise. We just discussed the third slash fourth. Depends on who you ask. Depends on if you think Broken Bow is well, episode one and two. Anyway, it's uh, a whole other can of worms. Base, baby, yeah. Yes, amongst the community. Yes, amongst um, the scholars. Yeah, but so we see essentially that there was a distress signal sent, um, and no one's answering hails anymore. Something's gone wrong with the ship, and they think, okay, well, let's go check it out, see what's wrong with this, um, and. You know, immediately we have a classic T'Pol moment where she's like, no, let's not do that. Let's keep going. We need to get out of here. <laughs> if they didn't answer our calls, they're clearly, something's wrong. And I don't, when we don't investigate that. Yeah, she's very much, again, uh, wait, did we talk about this before? She's just like, I don't have time for, yes. <laughs> for these bodies. For this like, I'm not yeah. going the extra mile. I'm quite yes. quitting today. Like, <laughs> yes. it's not our responsibility to, like, figure out what's going on with the yeah. ship. Which is what really sets humans apart. And <laughs> I don't know, I, I kept help, I can't help. But think it like really is an American quality. We just love sticking our nose in places where we don't belong necessarily. Sometimes it's helpful, but more than often than not, it's hurtful. I'm and yeah. I was low key thinking because Archer is like especially frustrating in this episode. I was mm -hmm. thinking um, like there's a scene after they see the bodies where Archer they're having this debate like <laughs> should we <laughs> go back for them or not and. Yeah. Archer is so emotional about it and not that being emotional is bad but like right. he's so I just think he's so wrong because what if this had been like burial rites for a yeah. species like what if this is how they like recycle their their like dead you know like we've yeah. seen episodes where aliens like take bodies and use them like yeah. in another purpose or, like Frankie's <laughs> I mean, Frankie's, but yeah, also yeah. I'm thinking, um, like, the Lindsay Ballard, she gets turned into that, like, purple alien after she dies. Right, true, That's yeah. how they procreate, you know? So I just feel like Archer is so naive that I just don't trust him in these situations, and I always want yes. to defer to T'Pol. I mean, I'm wrong, <laughs> clearly. Like, Archer did the right thing, and he discovered a plot, but I just think he was damn lucky. I agree, and this could have easily gone way worse than it did. Um, particularly because Archer is both doing that and not listening to his crew. Like, the, part of a good captain is being able to 
listen and empathize with your crew members, even if, of course, you have the say in the end, and he does turn them back around, and that's fine, you know, that's his prerogative, but I think, too, that he's, like, not just dismissing his crew, but, like, outwardly objecting with them, and outwardly getting in their faces, and, like, we're out here to explore, blah, 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 like, especially with T'Pol, he's always kind of this way in season one, especially, um, where, like, especially after they see the bodies, and they're kind of freaking out in their own way. Hoshi freaks out in one way, Archer in another. Like, she blames herself for screaming like a 12-year-old, she said. And I'm like, Archer's screaming inside his head like a 12-year-old. <laughs> you know, like, he, he, this is how he deals with it, is by pouring full righteousness into the mission and to judge others for their reaction or lack thereof. And so it's just like a really, again, a red flag trait for me because, like, how you show fear is so indicative of how you're going to show up in other places in your life, you know? And I think that all of us have coping mechanisms, some of them healthy, some of them not, uh, when it comes to things we're scared of. But I think that Archer's way of pointing fingers, and he says, T'Pol makes this beautiful mention of, hey, let's go check out this, like, uh, interstellar nursery. Like, it's it's really beautiful, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but implies it. She's like, you guys can go and log all you want and he's like you don't even feel for them like you probably feel nothing <laughs> like all this stuff just pretty much out of nowhere like how dare you tell us to just move on um instead of acknowledging what it is is attempt for like the tension to be alleviated from the crew because everyone's feeling really uptight after seeing a room full of bodies you know especially great Hoshi. point yeah um so he will be righteous about this and be moral in order to block up his own feelings of fear, even if that means re-traumatizing others, even if that means, like, I don't know, just, it, he just makes it everyone else's problem that they're not righteous like him, and that really irritates me. Yes, and I think he's lacking the Kirk quality, which yeah. I know it's, like, blasphemy to, like, speak against yeah. historic Admiral Archer, but um, <laughs> I, I think, like, Kirk can have a harebrained scheme that no one else believes, but because he's so charismatic and he's so inspiring and he knows what to say in the right moments, even if he's wrong, you want to follow him into hell, you know? Totally. And with Archer, I'm just not convinced. <laughs> not I'm not him following anyway. him into hell right now. There are scenes later, like, yeah. where I'm on the Archer train and, mm -hmm. and I do really, like, start to believe in him, but I'm with you. I... Yeah, he, he's not convincing to me, even though he's right, which is a problem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Hoshi, we talked about, you know, her her own struggles with this episode in previous ones. But I do also want to mention that Archer pretty much dragged her from teaching, you know, pretty much said, hey, we need you. And when Archer calls, you listen, you know, and it's kind of boxed her into this corner in the first place. And so this is her sort of dealing with that feeling of trappedness and she doesn't even really want to be here and she's I think mad that Archer needs her but also mad that she wants it too a little bit you know and is excited to meet strange new worlds and see new people and all this stuff but not excited to see bodies dangling from the ceiling you know and this is what her whole conversation with Flox is but I just think that like it's so natural to feel this way and it's so awful that she's made to feel lesser than because of it 
like anyone is going to struggle with a transition, especially one that you were kind of forced into. Or like all of us, you know, when we were forced to go into lockdown, lost a lot of a life that we were expecting and had to create completely new ones kind of from wherever we were. And I think Hoshi's going through like a really similar predicament. And I, I just really feel for her. And I think that they're all judging her unfairly and pushing her unfairly when she needs like kindness and respect right now. And she needs understanding and not flocks being like maybe you don't belong here and not you know like archer pushing her and re-traumatizing her by saying you have to come back and look at the bodies again um i don't know i just that that is the also a spooky part of this episode for me it's just like the lack of care that they have for hoshi just because they can adapt a little faster than she can here's the thing so rihanna you're right you're so empathetic you just you you <laughs> yeah. understand what hoshi's going through I just think she's so annoying in this episode. She is, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I, I at the same time. Oh man, like I try to give my love to characters, mm-hmm. but I just struggle <laughs> always watching this one with Hoshi because I I also judge her unfairly, and I have no tolerance for people who are like losing their minds at the bodies, even though mm-hmm. everyone like I actually would scream. Yeah, um, literally, yeah. But yeah, I also just want to throw out that if you have not heard our feminism episode on enterprise we talk a lot about this um Mm -hmm. so we won't go too much more into hoshi's like whole thing she's working through (laughs) but um it was indeed a spooky part yeah i think that it's classic uh horror here i like that the aliens do come back you know that they're clearly coming back for the bodies i don't know where they went maybe to grab more grab a better ship or (laughs) equipment i don't know what but think that they're like to think that they're collecting bodies is pretty creepy um yeah and harvesting them for fluids yeah exactly and so um cool that hoshi's able to get in contact with from the distress signal they sent from the ship and all of that that felt really that felt like a really good creepy plot to put this in especially for like a second episode that's impressive yeah totally agree so now i think we should talk about emery erickson who told his son, I'm coming back for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we were making this list and Ashlyn said that, I like screamed. I'm like, this is literally the perfect category. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this episode is um, interesting. It's got some definite components of spookiness. Um, we have a literal ghost, transporter ghost situation going on here. Um and we've got some lies and subterfuge, you know, the whole the whole thing. Um, so we come into the beginning of this episode, and now knowing, of course, that Emery is actually here to try to get his son back, and he's lying to everyone, I can see straight through it. You know, I can see right away. I'm like, yeah, this is clearly someone who has an ulterior motive. He keeps brushing Trip off. Trip makes these puppy dog eyes. Like, he's so cute. He's like, come and have dinner with me in the mess hall. <laughs> he's like, no, I'd rather look at my work. And he's like, okay, but I'll bring you some food. And he's like, nah, I'm not hungry. And he's like, but you must be hungry. Like, he's just so cute. I love Trip. And, like, how can you say no to that? You know, so clearly there's something else going on. <laughs> Like, it, the fact sense. that he can resist Trip is very Trip's suspicious. Trip's dog eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, red flag. <laughs> red alert. <laughs> Read alert, Rihanna. Excuse you. Oh, thank you. You're right. <laughs> no, your era. God. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, yeah. I... I have terrible memories sometimes with episodes, so I actually forgot that none of this was, like, 
none of this was actually truthful what Emery was saying. I I was so sus because Emery talking about beaming from planet to planet, which is something that yeah. like no one can do like ever. I feel like even Discovery can't beam from planet to planet. This is so so far ahead of its time mm-hmm. that it seems like a very like shocking thing that he's come on board to perform. And so it totally makes sense when this is a lie because <laughs> he's trying to get his son back. So he has to go to this like dense region or he's sort of like completely empty region of space called the bellows i think yeah um and uh i you can tell right away that he is a very tough person to get along with he has a lot of his walls really up and so Mm -hmm. i think it adds to the suspense of what's actually happening with this guy because he's not giving clear answers and it starts to really get suspicious when trip is helping him on the transporter pad and Trip's like, oh, I'll just install this. Um, and the guy's like, no, no, I'll, I'll do it. It's no problem. And Trip's like, no, it's my machine, so I need to do yeah. it. Like, this is my mm-hmm. ship. And then he pulls rank, and he's like, Starfleet just gave me approval to do anything, like make any modifications yeah. to your ship, so get the F out, you know? And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, this is not good. Weird, yeah. yeah. And it especially is painful because Archer is, like, lifelong friends with his family, and he grew up basically with um, his daughter Danny, and and uh, his past son, his late son Quinn. So it's just like sad for him because he's having a hard time believing that Emery would lie, and you know, kind of biting Trip's head off when he suggests it. And he's like, "There's no other explanation for why he would be using this system that doesn't really involve the transporter." And then, of course, there's the accident. How would you describe? this ghost effect ashlyn (laughs) that uh that is actually quinn boy um it's kind of like static electricity (laughs) that's like sparkly um (laughs) and don't let it touch you because it will destroy your body (laughs) oh yeah yeah like like its own transporter molecules smatterer (laughs) yeah this is when things start to escalate because archer loses a crewman yeah. To this little ghost. And yeah. that really upsets uh, Emery's daughter. She's like, we never meant to kill anyone. This is going too far. And the dad's like, ah, you know, it's fine. whatever yeah. it takes to find him. And uh, Archer is furious when he finds out, too, because he basically just got this guy killed for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Because we will find at the end of the episode that Quinn doesn't, like, last... You know, once he's being back out of the buffer or whatever, ghost buffer, he dies, you know. And so I really think that this is like, <laughs> it, it's showing how obsession can drive you to madness and it's showing how obsession can hurt the people you love. And like, we've seen this a lot in our spooky series and I've mentioned it a lot, but it's just so important in this one because he was actually trying something that the quantum transporter, the sub quantum transporter, which yeah, Ashton, like you're saying, beams planet to planet, or uh, and can beam like long distances, is not even fundamentally f- or possible. It's flawed, and he admits that. But he let his son go through with it because he was blinded by that obsession, and that's just insane kind of negligence, you know? Yeah. Well, and this is why he can't let go because he. <laughs> can't do with the fact that he might have killed his son like he let his own ego get in the way 
that yeah. someone else who was so dear to him suffered for it. So yeah. he's literally being haunted by his son. And then there's True. this like physical ghost manifestation of him. And I got to say, I, again, like I didn't remember the end of this episode. I was like remembering more as we went on. Yeah. Um, like I would remember 10 minutes into the future, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, the more <laughs> yeah. we go. But I was wondering if that wasn't even his son. And it was like something mm. else that was stalking the Enterprise crew. So that really like was scaring me. Like, it, that would be really bad if this was a oh, full metal alchemist where it's like that wasn't even their mom that is exactly what yeah. i'm thinking about Terrifying. rihanna that's uh, exactly yeah oh god you like pinned the that's a great yep you got yeah. it <laughs> i'm very scared this is me yeah um, absolutely i thought the ending also was very haunting because like you said the son once he appears only lives for a couple seconds and yeah. i thought it was tragic that he died in confusion and fear because he yeah. was beamed back, and then his dad is, like, on top of him. Like, he says, yeah. uh, please forgive me. And the guy's like, what? What? And then he just dies. Yeah. yeah. And he's, like, sweaty and yeah. afraid. It's awful. Awful, awful. Yeah. This is just a tough episode for me because, like, it's kind of slow in some parts, and then people are getting mangled, and then it, like, T'Pol's hand gets mangled. <laughs> yeah, awful. And then it's hard to laugh. The <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I looked at it the next scene, and it was fine, and I was like okay, guess you can just re-scramble molecules <laughs> in the right place for a hand, not for a face, I guess. They, I al- they always have that explanation. It's like, well, we saved a copy of you in the transporter buffer, so we'll just <laughs> beam you a new hand. Yeah, don't, what don't happens worry. when the transporter buffer is the one to attack you? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real scary yeah. episode. <laughs> oh, man. So, Ashlyn, shall we move on to our final episode Let's wrap it up. Let's go back for um, them, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's go back for Mayweather. <laughs> so this is Dead Stop. This is a fantastic episode. You heard me just joyously talk about it at the beginning of the episode. We have already talked about it in our Death Fakeout series. The Enterprise is stuck because they have so many repairs that need to be done on the ship. It's going to take the Enterprise crew, like all of Trip's people, about three months to complete. And... That's just a long time. Even at Jupiter Station. Yeah, yeah. At Jupiter Station, if they had everything that they needed and more people, it would take three months. So mm-hmm. it's going to probably take even longer in, yeah. like when they're completely alone without more parts. And mm-hmm. so they decided to put out a distress call, which Trip is like shocked by. <laughs> Archer's like, you know what? It's time we were returned. Like our karma has been so good. Yeah. We need some help again. And so, luckily, that help comes. A Tellarite ship sends them the coordinates of this really sick-ass station, which <laughs> is a repair center. And I'm getting huge 2001 vibes when we enter. Totally. Yeah. 100%. The all-white, the creepy voice, the watching everything, the non-manned, like, the efficiency, the, like, inhumanness of it. It's, like sterile slate sterile that's the word thank you yeah Yeah. um they see a replicator clearly way more advanced technology uh which already is intimidating you know and the fact that there's no humans or any sort of people in sight so creepy and also it's it's another like situation that's too good to be true so it's like immediately putting me on edge. Like there's yes. no way like they can get their entire ship fixed now in 32 hours because of the station. For, for some plasma, 200 liters of yeah, plasma. Yeah, it's like it doesn't make any sense. Like that, it's not a fair trade. 
No. It turns out the the uh, the station is also going to take a crewman. <laughs> yeah. If, oh gosh. If they need one, so that's really why this whole thing is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> no, literally, and it's and and it's a scheme to not only take the person but use their brain to enhance the processing power of the station and the brain because the brain is still the most sophisticated computer and so like most other bodies in that place have been there for years and like that's just terrifying you know to see how many people have fallen victim to the station's whims and its desires to grow stronger and more powerful and still repairs their ship but like it's so nondescript that it if they weren't so nosy they would have never figured out that Mayweather was actually alive still Yep. Once they find Mayweather, they see that there are so many bodies there. So that just tells you how many ships have fallen for this and just lost crewmen and never looked, never gave it a second thought. That kind of does go into what we talked about in Observer Effect too, that humans like don't give up. They were literally, that's what they were like with (laughs) the two observers were like, this never happens. Like they never keep trying after they flatlined. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with the Klingons, you know, they're saying honorably, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I thought that that was interesting. It carried along to this one. And also I want to talk about Archer sort of facing another one of his fears and um, the way that he reacts to the station is really interesting and actually pretty, pretty good, especially for a captain, you know, to keep on alert that he also knows this is too good to be true. Something's going on. Um, and he, I think, is wary about to new technology because he's talked about this before with the transporter he says nah i'd prefer to have a shuttle take me down or just like nah i don't think i want that on my ship or whatever because it it's already something that's new and changing and difficult to deal with and so i think that these sort of changes and everything that could harm his crew he's like overly cautious in these situations and then underly cautious in others and so it's like so inconsistent how like that's fine he's a human humans are inconsistent in how they react to things and i really like that they are able to sort of show that with archer that he was completely like sus of it the whole time i think it for me i read that his instincts are really good because he's the only one on the ship who is thinking and is disturbed by this station yeah which is so surprising that to isn't even that suspicious she's like oh whatever but archer can't get off of his mind and so it reminds me about how sensitive captains in this era have to be towards every single mission that they encounter. Sensitive is in yeah. like double, triple checking everything. Um, totally. And he has his own read alerts going off <laughs> in yeah. his head. And he's like, oh, that something is really wrong about this. And let's check it out. Even when read and trip or crawling through the computer and they get caught and get in trouble he sends them to their rooms but then he's like by the way did you see anything fishy (laughs) i love that he's like i probably would have done the same and then they do later they concoct this whole plan yeah i thought that that was it's true he has really great instincts and it's just scary though because the scene where mayweather gets lured into the like unauthorized area where it's being prepared being repaired it's just terrifying because how easy it is for a computer AI to just lure people to their deaths. You know, like that's what I was really struck by too, is that this whole station, again, so efficient, not manned. It's just HAL 3000 doing all the stuff needed to lure into their trap and their spider's web. And I'm just like, oh, this is such a good AI story, especially because it's Roxanne Dawson's voice. It's her directing. 
her vision of this is so creepy and wonderful. Yes, the fact that it can perfectly replicate Archer's voice. And again, this is an era where that doesn't happen. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's possible. So Mayweather's like, sure. Like, he questions it. Like, I thought it was out of bounds, but mm-hmm. still goes. Because mm-hmm. Captain told you, so you better meet you him down go. there. Yeah, exactly. And so I love it, too, because, like, when they see the bodies, the music gets so creepy. It's such a great score for this episode, too. And... Also how the computer's voice just always remains so calm and emotionless throughout all of this, too, is something that is such great juxtaposition. The query is not recognized. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, please insert pad on the payment, or please insert pad on the payment type. Yeah. Yeah. Please complete transaction on pin pad. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I know that Target one by heart. Thanks. See you again soon. <laughs> you know, they should hire you for voiceover work at the checkout. No, no, no. I want to hear my voice. You be like, they already showed you on the camera. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hate seeing your face. It's so awful. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't want to see I myself. look at my life in a Target camera. Like, <laughs> I could have just climbed out of hell. <laughs> so... True. Also, when yeah. you're like entering in back into the U.S. after being abroad, and they make you take a picture <laughs> yeah. of yourself, and you've like been in the air for like twelve hours, and Not you like are disgusting. Red, yeah, you're so annoyed. You have to keep waiting in lines, and they're like <laughs> the worst photos <laughs> of all time. <laughs> they are the worst because they're like, don't smile. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Oh, Fantastic. so good. Always keep that as a souvenir if possible. Yeah, please. Um. Anyway. Um, honestly, that's about how Mayweather looks when they find yeah. him. Yeah. But he looks pretty good for a dead guy. He does. He does. <laughs> a great death fake out line. Yeah. Um, I'm just, like, shocked that Phlox was able to figure out that he was being replicated because they all got vaccinated, thank God. Ooh. Um, and all of the, like, microbial DNA or whatever, (laughs) all of the, like, white blood cells were, or, like, the vaccine cells were dead in Mayweather's body, but not in anyone else. So it had to be a replica. (laughs) Now let's talk about the end of this episode, the last two seconds, two, three seconds. As if it couldn't get creepier. Yeah, so they use the, their gift (laughs) as essentially a bomb that blows up the station. Very amazing idea. The docking clamps are released. They're able to get out, which I'm glad because I thought it would just blow up with them. Like, I think scientifically that's what would happen, but... Release the docking eh. clamps. Yeah. (laughs) Sing, wolf, sing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But, so then, as they zoom off into the sunset, we cut to the creepy music and then the station's beginning to repair itself. And so I love that about this episode is, again, another thing that we could see anytime in the Star Trek future. Like, now we're talking the conspiracy bugs, the freaking <laughs> click-clack aliens are part of that group. <laughs> like, bunch of stuff from Deep Space Nine. So, anyway, I'm yeah, just like, like we can get them all together. <laughs> that are so scary. Yeah, we should have called yeah. this the Loose End series because we should. it's very <laughs> yeah. scary. Uh, yeah. I also, I was feeling stressed out for trip when he's trying to like the computer's like please 
please put the cash on the board. Like, yeah. yeah. Insert cash or select payment type. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly. The computer over and over is like, please put the Pay me. fuel. Like, I'm then depart right away. Um, yeah. I really thought that station was going to harm him because he yeah. was acting like a Karen and saying, like, these repairs weren't done very well. I want a <laughs> yeah. refund. And... I was like, gonna slap the Karen. Yeah, I was like, he's, they're gonna electrocute him or something <laughs> yeah. if they he doesn't start complaining because that's very. I don't know. I I mean, obviously, like we've never seen the station do that, but they could easily beam him and just like take his brain into space. That's like what they said. Yeah, earlier, so or into space. Beam them. Yeah, yeah, pull a howl. Let him. Let him go. Literally. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they episode. they came back yeah. for for Mayweather. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they came back for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that was great. Oh wow. wow! Another episode done. Enterprise took us on a journey, but yes. we got through it a little more scared than we were before. Yeah. I had a great time talking about these episodes with you, Ashlyn. As always, I do. I'm always surprisingly like so excited the discussion we can get out of Enterprise, which I is definitely my weakest show knowledge wise so thank you all for listening so much we appreciate you every day and also because we were talking about 2001 a space odyssey i want to also remind you to go and check out where's beverly podcast they have released the episode that we were on we had the delightful opportunity to talk about 2001 and the motion picture in juxtaposition with each other compare and contrast Go check it out. It's like truly, I think, one of the most fun I've ever had as a guest on a pod. What do you think, Ashlyn? It was so much fun, especially because we've known Where's Bev. Like we've, they've been on our podcast. Um, we've been with them on other podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a delight to be on theirs. And this was a topic that we had collaborated on, especially. So mm-hmm. what a great time. What a fascinating discussion. And I just feel more and more that they are such a like kinship podcast to us. So um, Truly. Please go check out Where's Bev and you will laugh so hard. I still laugh thinking about <laughs> that still, podcast. There was so. like a specific moment I just get like, I think about yeah. way too much. We, we like DM them and are like, do you still think about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and they're like, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, please go check that out anywhere you can find your podcast. That's Where's Beverly. And thank you all for listening. Patrons, please expect a new Patreon coming to you soon. We're very excited to keep going through Lower Deck Season 2 and hopefully get to Lower Deck Season 3 as soon as possible. So Yeah, we're chugging thank through. You all. Thank yeah. you so much. And next week, oh baby, it's time for Woo! Discovery. And oh, it's going to get dark, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you thought the DS9 one was rough? Oh, Lord, there's Whoa. more to come. <laughs> And I'm also excited to announce that next week I will be releasing the new series because it is my turn to pick and I have already decided way in advance. So I can't wait to tell you next week. The patrons know already, so you can become a patron and find out early if you want for just a dollar a month. So thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you. I also just want to say that if you enjoy this podcast... We would really appreciate if you could give us five stars anywhere that you listen. It looks mm-hmm. so good on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, like like anywhere. Yeah. It's so easy. Just like hit the hit the hit the button, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't even think you have to sign in for most of these no. places. Just do it, and it really really helps us out. So, thank you so much for listening. We are so grateful for you, and we hope you have a very spooky November. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the seventh episode of our spooky series, where Ashley and Rihanna will discuss all the hair-raising episodes in Star Trek Discovery. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if Twitter has not exploded. And check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in any of the bio of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, and first officers. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these amazing episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Well, now I think we should talk about... Um, wait, let me go to the... <laughs> Um, where is dead stop, bro? These are um, it was on the same page I was already on, just so we're all, we all know. Um, 